Asian Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Three, two, one, go. We're live. This is Graham Brown and Carl Ellicott. Carl, how are you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. How are you doing? Yeah, fantastic. We're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk around the houses a little bit, but this whole sort of thing, you know, what fascinates me about your lifestyle, Carl, is you, you live in San Francisco, right? Yep. But you show up, you turn up on my social media feed in Shenzhen, Hong Kong, Shanghai, all over the place. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by the. I thought I traveled a lot, but you seem to sort of, you know, you're the tip of the spear in this new generation of people who sort of live between these two worlds. What's going on? Tell us a little about your latest travels. Where, where were you last in Asia? Yeah, well, you know, first off, apparently there's people that travel more than both you and I. All right. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, which is which is crazy to think. But, um, yeah, so uh, latest travels in, in Asia was just before uh, Chinese New Year. Um, so for, for those who are tuning in, uh, we have – two new years, um, when doing business between, mm. um, uh, Asia and specifically China and, and the rest of the world. And, uh, that's the difference between, uh, the lunar calendar and, and the calendar we look at And Chinese new year takes place generally in February. Um, typically right around the mid of February, I think is, is yeah. kind of how it, it falls usually. Um, and so, uh, I was, all over the place uh, towards the end of last year, kind of rounding out uh, the year between China, so Shenzhen, Hong Kong, um, and Greater Asia before coming back for the holidays mm. um, to to San Francisco. And um, you know, to answer your question about my the, the lifestyle, you know, a lot of it um, kind of progressed naturally. Uh, the, you know, the company that uh, I helped found and um, uh, read, write, and read, write labs. Um, when we started, you know, working with all these different companies around the world ends up taking you places all around the world that you never expected. Mm. Um, whether it's to speak at an event, meet with the companies, um, advise or, or sit with them physically in their locations. And naturally a lot of them were starting to do more business in Asia, which brought us to looking more and more at doing business in Asia. Um, and when we expanded out there, um, I was very fortunate enough to to start doing the travel back and forth mm. uh, and kind of spending more time and getting to know the local culture, getting to know the ecosystem and, and getting to know the area. Right. So let's get this right. You you actually live in San Francisco. You call San Francisco your home. That's officially your home, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Right. Okay. You live in San Francisco. You spend a lot of time in Asia. A lot of time in China, obviously, especially in that greater Bay Area, Bay Area which I'm sure we're sort of going to dive into a little bit. Yeah. What's the actual, I mean, logistically, getting from San Francisco to, where do you fly to? Fly to Hong Kong? What's the sort of jumping off point? Yeah, so typically I do San Francisco to Hong Kong, mm. um, either direct flight if I can, or I'll, I'll bounce um, in, a, in a local West Coast city, sometimes Los Angeles. Right. Um, which is just nice and easy since I used to live there as well. So it's a nice, easy flight that I'm used to. What's that, a 12-hour um, flight, 30-hour? Yeah, round round trip, it, it's anywhere from 13 to 14 in the air, yeah, you know, not included downtime, um, and takeoff and landing and you know the unexpected or expected delays, depending on which airport. Um, but uh, yeah, Hong Kong's the easiest. It's, right, right. That's a tough so, flight. I mean, I fly from London to Tokyo, that's 12 hours, and... That's about my sort of physical and mental limit. 
Oh man, I tell you, that is a trip. I, I, I that would be hard for me. Um, even though it's about the same time difference, the the way that you're going mm-hmm. that direction over so many, because you're flying, um, t- through Asia, right, and, and Russia mostly. Yeah, you spent most of it yeah. just going through Russia. Yeah, wow, that's that's a hard flight because you you go so far. Well, depending on the curvature, you're going so far up. Yeah, uh, which is which is a harder pressure I've found when I've taken flights. It's harder to fly up that way. Right. Uh, as yeah, well yeah. But. the glamorous lifestyle <laughs> it ain't that glamorous after all but you where, where do you spend most of your time in asia what sort of city do you tend to gravitate towards well i'll hit on that that last point you just made too but because i think people people miss um misrepresent this i think quite a bit is you know the the instagram life that we all show oh, yeah. of you know how amazing travel is it's like when you travel for business and you travel a lot for business Sure, it comes with its its few perks of being able to, you know, check out new places and, and visit, and, you know, doing all the experience. But and it it is a it is a wear on you and your body and everything in between. Um, so yeah, definitely something I think we all understand. But um, I, in addition, um, so where I spend the most time my Asia or where I spend most of my time in Asia, um. Mostly in Hong Kong and Shenzhen, hmm. um, or Southeast China, so the Greater Bay, right, right, uh, Greater Bay area. Yeah, not many people know about that, do they? That, I mean, surprised how few uh, you know media articles are written about Greater Bay outside of Asia, and especially, I mean, you know, I mean, if you live in San Francisco, the world is there, isn't it? Especially if you're yeah. in the startup world, everything is there. The accelerators are there. All the, you know, you've got Facebook, LinkedIn, they're all there. However, you know, th- there's a world outside, isn't it? The Greater Bay. What was your first experience of coming to that area of the world? When was that? So my, my first experience in that area and in Asia was probably, shockingly enough, uh, November 2015. Right. So three, um, three years, two and a half, three years, right? Yeah, and it was in Hong Kong. Um, I was, I was, I was brought out by um, our now partners, um, and, and then one of the strong community leaders uh, in Hong Kong, Cyberport. Um, right. I was, yeah. Yeah, I was brought out to speak, um, mentor uh, several uh, entrepreneurs, and then also get a chance to to see and visit Hong Kong as we were uh, about to to launch there officially. Um, I'll tell you this, because um, I have two different points. Uh, the first, when I hit Hong Kong, I was blown away. Right. I had never seen something like that. Right. And, you know, Midwest boy getting a chance to go to New York, <laughs> right. uh, you know, seeing San Francisco, L.A., like all the big cities in the U.S., seeing a little bit of Europe, and then all of a sudden you see Hong Kong, and it's like, where wow. am I? Yeah. You know, am I, am I, uh, like, am, am I in a science fiction movie here? Yeah. Um, it was unreal. I, I was taken aback by the view, the awe of the skyline. Oh Just, yeah. Did you get up oh, to my. Victoria Peak? Did you walk up there? I mean, so the, I did. I did not. Um, oh, that's but the, I did that's go. the best skyline in the world for sure. Every time I go to Hong Kong, I walk up to the top. It's just so worth it. It's so, and 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 it is stunning. I went to the second best view. In my opinion, which right. was, uh, <laughs> I, I went to 
ICC. Oh, uh, yeah, the tower. The tower. And went to the world's tallest bar. Oh, wow. Um, which they have a bar on the, I think, 132nd floor. Yeah. That uh, is half inside, half out. Oh, wow. So you can actually walk outside. There's no roof. And I mean, there's glass that's, you know, yeah. 20, well, that's dangerous 30. mix, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In a bar. Yeah, yeah, but you're, yeah, which is, you know, another thing. But you're up there, you're having a cocktail, you're watching the sunset, and just all of a sudden the right. lights, and this is, you know, uh, holiday season when I went, all the buildings start lighting up yeah. with, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. And it just looks like something out of a storybook. Yeah. Something and else. You're, that? Yeah, and you're just like, man. There's a tingling, isn't it? I get that sense of, yeah. I don't know what it is, that narcotic tingling that you get when you, you go places like that. You feel something's happening. You feel the energy. I can't put my yeah. finger on it. Well, that's the thing is you, you see it. So there's the visual. You know, as soon as you land in a new city, uh, you've never been, you feel something. Yeah. Um, you know, first time I went to New York, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm moving 100 miles an hour. I don't know why. Yeah. But, but it really is just the pace. It's the heartbeat. It's the... Everything about that city visually just gets consumed, mm. you know, especially if you're someone like uh, myself, who's a very visual learner, or a very visual person. I mean, it just I just suck it in. Mm. And then you get to the actual streets and you start talking to people, you start having your meetings, you start walking around and you see the city alive at night and you're like, wow. Yeah. I love that about Hong Kong as well. You can walk around Hong Kong. Not a lot of cities you can walk, especially the the more modern cities. They're sort of designed for cars, aren't they? Public Mm -hmm. transport. But Hong Kong, you can walk around and you can can poke around the back streets and you see like the the construction workers all sitting out having their noodles just on, you know, on the tables in the street, right? And then there's just kind of... I love that. There's that real hustle. I get that. that Hustle is the only word I can really sort of describe these cities by in Asia, there's a sense that people are getting on with stuff and getting things done. Yeah. And there's a, that's a perfect, uh, perfect word for it because there's a natural born hustle, um, in everyone I've met there. And I remember I went to a restaurant in Hong Kong. Um, number one. Yeah. Number one restaurant in Hong Kong, in my opinion. And, um, it's, uh, it's down this little, little alley in, in, in the Soho district. Mm. of um of uh hong kong where there's a ton of restaurants ton of good food and um uh we went to one restaurant and the the reservation didn't go through something happened and you know we walked out a little disappointed and all of a sudden this guy comes up he starts talking to us and uh starts kind of hustling the the conversation (laughs) to being like hey why don't you come in here? You come in here. I got this. I got this. Everyone's on the mic, aren't they? Oh my gosh. And the guy sold us and it turned out to be one of the best meals I've had. Uh, best entertainment and the shop, you would never know it. It seats about 10, maybe 12 people max. Mm. And had this guy not had that like inherent, just drive and hustle in him, probably never would have found this place. Wow. And never maybe find it again, unless yeah. you made a note of it. Hey, so yeah. what, what was it like? I mean, you, you went to Hong Kong. I'm curious, you know, Shenzhen's just over the border, isn't it? 
really. Yeah. I mean, it's on the other... For those that don't know, Hong Kong, obviously, it's not a country, but, you know, I mean, we're getting into sort of a very protracted debate, but Hong Kong sits on the other side of the Chinese border. But if you go over the border into China, there's Shenzhen, isn't there, which is sort of traditionally where all the... Man- well, still, where all the manufacturing happened, isn't it? I think 80% of the claim 80% of all world's electronics has some part made in Shenzhen. Can you imagine that? Just everything in the world, 80%, something comes from Shenzhen. I I couldn't, I I couldn't comprehend it. And when I first went to Shenzhen, I I only saw a, a, um, a new economic zone. Um, and these are for those listening, these are, um, specific zones that the government either, uh, local or central or, or top um, have desi- de- designated to, you know, either free trade or um, tax incentives, certain benefits. They're, they're special zones, as they call them, with, um, with different benefits. And so that's, that was my first entrance into Shenzhen. Um, but when I really went to Shenzhen, and I mean went into the city, mm. went through all the districts, I had a whole new appreciation for the cell phone in my pocket, the electronics I have always had at some point in my life to most of all the real culture and work ethic in China. Hmm. Uh, And um, I was just blown away. I mean, the electronics market um, for, you know, the, the famous electronics market, the, the street I, I couldn't comprehend it when I walked in. I mean, a building the size of most corporate headquarters in the U.S., you know, carved out in the center to just be booth after booth after floor after floor full of components and, you know, wires to fully com- completed to half completed electronics. You're just sitting there like, wow. oh, my gosh. This is where, yeah, this is where it all happens. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Shenzhen, but only for a conference. I passed through. So I didn't actually get to experience it like you have at the street level. So I'm really fascinated what it's actually like. I mean, does it, is there any sort of comparisons between Shenzhen and Hong Kong? I mean, how do they differ in any way? Well, in, in, in the easiest comparison, and this plays into the bigger picture of the greater Bay, think of Hong Kong as New York. Hmm big city you can walk around as you said you know big financial center a lot of culture a lot happening um shenzhen in my opinion and not everyone shares this but this is definitely my opinion i i think of shenzhen like the city of los angeles Mm. and how it's laid out because you have those different cultures you have different districts but the city is so incredibly vast uh, in its size that every district is its own, almost its own full on city that nobody leaves. Hmm. Uh, you know, you have Santa Monica, you have Hollywood, you right, have Beverly right, Hills, right, right. downtown in, in Shenzhen, you have Nanshan, you have Futian, you have all these different districts that most people don't like to leave. Yeah. It's a big deal. Like when you have to go from Nanshan to Futian, you know, just across town, if you will. I mean, it's like going from Santa Monica to downtown Los Angeles. You got to cross a major freeway. You've got to deal with world, Yeah. Yeah. It's like 
two different worlds and one's you know one has more of a uh a international culture if you will um a lot of expats another one is more technology so nanshan is the high tech park um where you have a lot of the technology companies from around the world who base their headquarters there um so two different worlds mm. um and I want to put that into context, just back up a little bit. I know you compared sure. it to LA and I want to make a confession is that, you know, as a, you're, you say you're a Midwestern boy and I, I yeah. come from sort of the provinces of England as well. The first time I went <laughs> to Los Angeles, I remember ordering a taxi from the hotel and I picked up the, the, the phone, ordered a taxi and the lady at the other end said, you know, what city you're in? And I'm like, LA, I'm in Los Angeles. She goes, what city are you in? <laughs> I'm in Los Angeles. What, what do you mean? What city? I, you know, that's so sort of typical. We don't appreciate that. You know, I, I don't know how it is in Shenzhen, but like, you know, these, this is Same. not just a city. This is like a city of cities. Right. Right. I mean, I did that first time I was in Shenzhen. I'm like, uh, you know, I was trying to, uh, tell a taxi driver where to go. And, and, um, they're like, where do you want to go? I was like, Shenzhen. Yeah, <laughs> they just yeah, kind of looked right, at me. I'm like, right. <laughs> like um, I, gave, I regave him the address. I'm like, you know, 123 Street ABC and uh, Shenzhen. And they're like, uh, okay, uh, we'll just start driving. Right. So, You're not from around these parts, are you? Yeah. They're like, well, we'll, 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 uh, we'll take you where you think you have to go. Yeah. Um, are, you, are you speaking to these guys in English or Mandarin? How, how is your sort of, sort of adapting to you know, Shenzhen culture, are they sort of pretty open to people speaking English there? Yeah. So I do a combination of three. So I do English, I do uh, Google translate right. and then, which is a lifesaver. Um, I go into a whole discussion about fun little tools to save your life in those yeah. situations. But, uh, and then I do this, this, um, a little bit of a combination of uh, Mandarin and like, taxi mandarin yeah, right okay right or maybe it's like foreigner taxi mandarin where i'm not exactly sure that the words i'm throwing out are exactly what i should be saying but i'm right. pointing yeah. and i'm pointing at maps like it's um it's it's an entertainment an entertaining time but no i definitely speak um you know when you get a dd so the uber comparison of uh in china you can speak english in some cases um some taxi drivers, uh, most taxi drivers, so traditional taxi, uh, it's all Mandarin. So I'm usually speaking Mandarin or I'm using Google Translate if it's a little bit more complex um, of an address. And uh, the easiest thing that I have found, uh, travel tip, number one for the day, mm. uh, Apple Maps. When you're in China, if you copy and paste a, an address that's been sent to you in Chinese, Apple Maps will auto-convert it. And you can very easily show that to a taxi driver. Uh, uh, good. Awesome. Yeah. So I try, yeah, I try to, yeah. So for me, I try to benefit, uh, you know, try to learn as I go, but also try to, to appeal to the local culture mm -hmm. as well. I like it how you, I mean, you're talking about the, the language as entertainment as well. And I think, you know, just talking about language in general is it's always sort of the, the, the foundation of any sort of, experience for somebody going into a new country whether it's for travel or whether it's for business and i think a lot of people are put off aren't they because they've spent their whole lives mastering one language and now they have to start like a baby all over again and for a lot of people that 
prospect of going into a restaurant in Hong Kong and you know maybe having to speak in a little bit of Chinese Cantonese or going to Shenzhen and speaking to a taxi driver in Mandarin you know people would rather some people I'd say would rather see the hole in the ground open up before them and swallow them up alive right it's like that's the worst thing ever like people I know like in restaurants as well you know like some people would prefer to go to McDonald's and eat there then you know eat at a local restaurant just because they're scared of looking stupid right but mm-hmm. you you sort of you're seeing the whole thing as a bit of an entertainment and and for me as well I mean I live in Japan I've traveled a lot around all the Asian countries I think you just got to get over that haven't you and, and accept that I think you know even if you don't speak the language if you want to communicate you can get by somehow right you know, there's, yeah. a, there's a way of working it out. It's not like, I mean, even if you just know one word, like thank you or no, yes. that's a start. It should never put somebody off, especially in business as well. You know, if the other person wants to communicate with you as well, it will work out. You'll, you'll work something out, even if it's just pointing, pointing at <laughs> pictures, right? Yeah, it's only, I mean, for, for me, I'm entertaining. I, I'm the entertainment, if anything, <laughs> driver. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, that, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when I, when I first went when I started traveling internationally in general, I wanted the experience because the, the way that I looked at this, you don't know how long it's going to last, hmm. right? You don't know how, how many opportunities you're going to, you're going to have to travel, how many times or how many places you're going to get a chance to visit or where or when. And so experience it. And with China and, and Hong Kong specifically, I, I kind of threw myself in it. Um, in some cases I was completely alone and, and didn't have a choice I right. uh, just threw myself in it. And yeah, I mean, there's, you know, everyone is generally scared being in a new place. As you said, you're, you're either alone or you're with someone, you're uncomfortable. And the biggest advice I can give, and just from my own experience is just enjoy the ride, mm. you know, just get in, figure it out, make sure you have the basics of what you're going to need. If you're going to get in a taxi, have a map open, know where the hell you're going. If you don't know where you're going, no, neither of you are going anywhere exactly but that that would happen anywhere in the world right yeah you yeah know, you, you talked about being alone when you're traveling as well i mean i don't know how you are but often i find i can get on better if i am alone because i don't know there's something about travel when you go to a new country especially where you know especially in a place like china where you know they have their own culture it's very very strong they have a very mm-hmm. strong identity as well so it's not like you know, if I was to go somewhere in the world, let's say I was to go to Europe, people know who I am and where I'm from. And, you know, okay, I'm British. They've got some sort of understanding of, you know, my culture and so on. In China, they can get away without knowing any of that. So if I was to go to these places, it's almost like, okay, it's a blank slate. You can be whoever the hell you like to be today, right? You yeah. know, if you so in a way, I feel nothing to lose when I go to these places. I don't know if that sort of is something you felt. It's actually easier to go and do business or travel alone to these places. Yeah, well, I usually take the mindset that I'm George Clooney the moment <laughs> I land. All right. Uh, okay. I that helps. We want to know, God, what's the hack? Yeah, yeah, you know, that usually work? helps me get over it. It really boosts my confidence <laughs> to know that I'm a, I'm a you know, good-looking uh, 50-year-old man uh, yeah, yeah. who's you know, an outstanding actor. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I definitely agree. Like, it's... Um, I enjoy the the experience of like when you first go somewhere, uh, or when you first go somewhere, it's nice to have people with you. 
um, to learn and to be able to share in the culture. When you have to do it regular, sometimes, yes, it is easier to do alone because you just get in, do what you have to do, get out, do your meetings and, 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 uh, move forward. But, um, with business and traveling for business, there's so much that happens, mm. um, that it's good to have someone with you. Mm. Um, because like when you sit in a meeting and you know this, um, I'm sure from, from, uh, doing meetings in Japan, when you sit in a meeting, there is so much etiquette yeah. that happens. There's so many intricacies that are happening while you're having a conversation or while mm. someone's having a conversation with you and being able to process all of that and reflect on it with someone is insanely valuable. Um, and culturally, you know, we, we, we all have our, our ways. Um, we all have how we were brought up and when you go to a new culture, you know, things are different. Um, and you want to be able to be as polite as possible, but sometimes we all make mistakes. And so it's good to have someone there to catch you on that. Mm. Um, it just depends on, on, uh, maybe where you're at and why you're there. But, uh, have you changed the way, the way you saw you would do business, like you'd say, do business in the Bay, in San Francisco Bay, when you go to China, do, are you conscious of, you know, do you have this sort of observer watching Kyle when he's doing business in China <laughs> say, well, hang on, back up a little bit. Don't do it like that. Or you just kind of try and be as natural as possible. It's a difficult balance, isn't it? Cause you don't want to be over respectful of the culture because then you're unnatural. The, the worst yeah. thing you want to do is try and be like them because that freaks them out a little bit, isn't it? You get that yeah. in China and Japan, like people who yeah. are more Japanese than the Japanese. Right. Right. How which, do you do it? Which throws everything off. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, for me, um, I have and continue to work to understand the cultural differences and, and how how it's appropriate to do business in different areas while still bringing the business knowledge or the tactics that I have um, and applying them where necessary. I mean, the way that you do business in the U.S. is completely different than the way you do business in China, Japan, or even France, for instance. Hmm. But um, some of the basics are, are, are still the same. I mean, you, you know, you build a relationship with someone, you, you have meetings, you negotiate, you have an agreement, you come to terms and, you know, you start doing business. But, um, uh, you have to be conscious of that. If you're not doing business the way you do business in the U S in China will not work. If, if you don't adapt and you don't take in small little things, you're going to crash and burn. You're going to waste your time. You're going to, you're not going to present yourself well, and you're going to come across in the wrong way. And it's, yeah. it's going to kill a deal. Um, for me, I, I try. Have you learned the hard way? Have you, I have, uh, I have. Yeah, have you got a, a story as a particular example of where you've screwed <laughs> up? Um, I, I have several, um, <laughs> from different areas around the world. Change the names to protect the innocent. Exactly. Well, I mean, look at it. We, we, we do business in all different parts of the world in such a real time that you're going to make mistakes and you have to learn from them. Yeah. And the hope is you do. And if you don't, um, you don't let it happen a third time, right? It may happen a second. Don't let it happen a third. Um, and, and I will say this, and I'll give you a funny story. Um, one thing that I think did open my eyes is how I do business on an international level. So the lessons I learned on doing business in China, in Hong Kong, in Europe, in South America, in Africa, um, definitely affected how I did business in the U.S. 
and in all of those countries and more respectfully mm-hmm. that I had a, I was able to take a further step back and look at a bigger picture and create more of a process when doing a business deal. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, in the U S it's like, Hey, you want to do business? Cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Find a deal done. Let's rock. Um, now the way that I, I try to approach things, um, is taking a little bit of a step back, trying to get to know the person, build a little mm-hmm. bit more of a relationship. Um, whereas in China, um, it's a hundred percent relationship. Yeah, yeah. You're building that relationship first and then you're expanding into what could be a potential business deal. Um, and so learning those lessons of how to pace everything and, and really where the development needs to occur, which is the relationship. And that's how you're going to close hopefully the deal. Um, that I think changed my world, uh, mm. completely, uh, in, in many, many respects. And then also just kind of the, I'll say the hierarchy in, in the U S typically hierarchy. And this is a big thing from the Valley. So this is not a, a general statement, but you know, in the Valley there's, um, you know, everyone's kind of on their own playing field. Um, right. Like a, a CEO can yeah. be this, yeah. could talk to a VP and, and it's just two people talking. Um, in, in, in China and in Asia in particular, you know, those titles come with a lot of respect and you have to show that level of respect, mm-hmm. um, when you walk in the room and it's not anything uncommon. It's, it's a very general politeness. It's just something to be acutely aware of, um, and not necessarily talk to, you know, the chairman the same way you would, um, uh, a VP or a manager, uh, you know, understanding how to treat and balance everybody with respect, um, is definitely a big lesson. And again, it translates across the board, but mm. the funny story, um, I went to give a speech, my very first trip to Shenzhen and, uh, I'd done speeches around the world. No big deal. Um, big audiences, small on audiences. Um, a mentor of mine got up on stage and started talking to this room of maybe 25, 30 students from China. Uh, video cameras going. He's talking about you know the growth and potential, and the strength of China, and I'm getting inspired. Um, even though he's completely in Mandarin at the time, and I, I didn't know much, mm. but I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. This is great. Mm-hmm. And he's and now I would like to introduce Kyle Ellicott to come up on stage and tell you a little bit more about him and entrepreneurship. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> let's do this. Go go cross border China. Yes. And I get up and I start talking. And what didn't flip uh, the switch in my brain was um, how to speak globally versus locally. And locally, I was thinking of the U.S. where I'm like, all right, this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is entrepreneurship. Go, 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 go. And it was the hardest five-minute talk of my adult life because I looked at this audience of 30 students that all looked blankly back at me like i have no clue what you just said and they all politely clapped yeah of course right thank you what the hell was that all about yeah and i i looked afterwards i talked to my mentor i was like that i was like man i I definitely didn't do well and he's like well he's like you he's like i think they understood you and i was like (laughs) there's no way and he was being very generous but the the information gave yeah i felt like i crashed and burned 30, no, like, that was a fantastic you know, lesson, though. but you know, 
that's a, such an awesome experience in terms of a learning. They weren't ready for Tony Robbins. That was the problem. No, right? they were not. And I was, I was Tony'd out. <laughs> uh, but the lesson that I came away with, which was fascinating, um, was that when you speak in any location around the world, you should always speak at a a good pace so that anybody that's native or not native, um, yeah. so international, can understand or at least break down what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it changed my world speaking, and it changed my world in Asia um, and Europe and other places when I would speak because I would have this slower tone or slower pace, but still get the same you know, Tony Robbins inspiration across. Mm-hmm. It just would be a few steps back and a little bit calmer and a little bit easier to, to translate if necessary. That's awesome advice, Carl. Hey, Carl, it's, we only did, we're only doing 30 minutes today, but this is a pilot yeah. for this show. But, you know, we're just scratching the surface. I think, you know, what we're talking about is the, the story behind this whole sort of shift, this whole sort of interconnection between the West and the East, which is really happening at a pace right now. And you're, you're in such a fantastic position to help translate that and unpack that for people. So let's do more of these. We'll be back. We'll share more insights from the Jason Ball lifestyle <laughs> of Carl Ellicott. Exactly. Watch out. Exactly. Watch out. George Clooney, I should say. As yeah, he, George. George is landing in your city sometime soon so watch out (laughs) great carl fantastic we'll uh pick this up in part two thank you buddy you've been listening to asia tech podcast find out more at atp.show